Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. The Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. New features like the available Pro Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo, including when towing a trailer, so it's easier to load in tight spaces. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro Access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Mickey James, and Tommy Dreamer talk about the rock and wrestling connection. That's right. Music and professional wrestling the perfect combination and we get into the history of it and who better to talk to than one of the first ever to use music in his entrance sergeant slaughter joins us here on the podcast and of course the man behind so many iconic themes jimmy mouth of the south heart right now on the busted open podcast BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today. Prize Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Price Picks is the perfect selection for me. Download the app today and use code BUSTED for a first deposit matchup to $100. That's code BUSTED for a first deposit matchup to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. 
After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bill, and unexpected overage. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. It's crystal clear, and it doesn't kill my monthly budget. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash bustedopen. That's mintmobile.com slash bustedopen. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash bustedopen. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. How are you guys doing? So good. So good to hear your voice, Sarge. Sarge, you know, we're talking about the the beauty of of, of music and wrestling. And I believe, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sarge, but you were one of, if not the first wrestler to really come out to music back in the day, correct? Yes. 1975 or uh, 79, I just finished up Super Destroyer Mark II up in Minneapolis, and Pat Patterson was going to uh, Allentown to do an audition or whatever they call it back then to see if he could uh, join the WWF. And I said, Pat, would you mind taking these pictures with you and give them to Mr. McMahon Sr.? And he goes, well, who is it? And I said, it's me. He goes, Sergeant Slaughter, that's you? I said, yeah. He said, I only know you as Super Destroyer. I said, well, this was before, you know, I I started that in 1975, 76. So anyway, he took the pictures. And so uh, Vincent James McMahon invited me to Allentown to audition. And uh, while I was there, he you know, back then, uh, as you all know, they did like three shows in one night. And then in the next night in Hamburg, we do three more shows. Then we wouldn't have to do TV for three weeks. So he, he waited till the uh, dark match was uh, going to go on. He said, I want you to go do a promo with my son. And I said, well, which one is he? He said, he's that uh, taller guy there with the uh, the." The beautiful hairdo. He says, you, you believe he spends $300 on a haircut? I said, what? He said, yeah, that's, that's the kind of guy he is. I said, well, okay. He said, uh, is there anything that you want me to uh, do to help your entrance? And I said, well, would you mind playing this? And I got a cassette out of my uh, bag. And he said, what's this? I said, uh, it's music. And he said, well, what kind of music is it? I said, it's a Marine Corps hymn. He said, what do you want me to do with it? I said, well, can you play it when I go out? And he goes, I'll be right back. So he runs into the truck, the, the production truck, and uh, Kevin Dunn's father, uh, Dennis, was running the, the uh, he was the executive producer at that time. So Vince came back and said, yeah, they can play it. So whenever your music starts playing, you go out, go out and have an interview with, uh, with Vinny. I said, okay. So uh, we're waiting, and all of a sudden, the music starts. And I go to walk out, and uh, Vince uh, Sr. used to have four quarters, and he would 
jingle them and jangle them in his hands. It's kind of a nervous thing, I guess. And so uh, I go to walk out, and he puts his arm across my path, and he's he's got his head up in the air, and he's listening. And I said, what are you listening to? He says, I want to hear the reaction of the people who have never had music before. So he said, okay, go. And he pushes me out the uh, curtain. And there I am with my combat boots on and my fatigues and got my campaign cover on and my swagger stick and my cigar and my whistle and started calling people maggots, scums, and slimes. And they didn't know me from a hole in the ground. And pretty soon, by the time I got to uh, to Vince uh, Vincent Kennedy, people were coming over the railing. <laughs> And, you know, yell at me, who, who are you calling a maggot? And, and, you know, this and that. And so finally I turned the corner and there's there's Vincent Kennedy. And he goes, well, look what we have here. And I shut him right down. I went, shut your whole puke. Who gave you permission to speak? And we'd never met each other. So, <laughs> I'm, you know, and if anybody knows me, I spit all over the place because I, no, I have no bite. So I'm showering him with life <laughs> and right away he's not liking that if anybody knows Vincent Man, germ germophobic you know so I'm walking around him and he, he's playing along with me and I dress him up and down and finally I stop in front of him and and uh, I start giving him some orders tell him to stand at attention get his chin up and his chest out and oh he loved that you know Get that massive chest of his out there. Yeah. And so uh, he's got this, I think it was a yellow sports coat on. And, and uh, so I, I'm uh, going up and down. And finally, I go up to his hair and I take my swagger stick and I start ruffling up his hair above his ear. And his shoulder starts moving up like, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that, you know. And so I finally look, uh, get up to his ear, and I go right into his ear, and I go, who cut your hair, Ray Charles? <laughs> and and he, he almost started to laugh. And so I, I did the promo, and as I want to leave, he goes, well, there we go. Maybe we'll be seeing more of uh, Sergeant Slaughter, the drill instructor from the Marine Corps or whatever. So I had my cigar, and I said, oh, what the hell? I'll put an exclamation point on it. So I take a big drag of my cigar and I turn around and I blow it in his face. And as anybody knows, of course, Vince hates smoke. And he started turning colors. I mean, he was shaking. He was bad. So I get back to the dressing room and Pat Patterson comes running because I gave Pat the, the pictures and he's so happy. He says, that was great. That was great. That was great. And and any of the boys that were still there are kind of like chuckling, like that poor guy, he lost his job before he even got started. And so uh, I'm taking off my combat boots and I got one off and here I hear, I hear the quarters jingling. And I, I'm looking down at the floor, taking my boot off and I see these nice loafers walking around my chair. And finally they stop in front of me and I look up and there's Vincent uh, McMahon, you know, the boss senior looking at me quarters going a mile a minute shaking his head points for me to follow him so i hopped with one foot one uh boot on and one under my arm and we go into this back room and he 
walks around me a couple more times and got the quarters going and finally stops right in front of me. And he said, that's the greatest villain character I have ever seen in my, uh, how many years that he was in the business. He said, even my son hates you. I need you to start right away. And I said, well, I'm still wrestling up in Minnesota, Super Destroyer. He said, I don't care. I'll, I'll call Gags, uh, Bird Guy. I'll call him up. And we got to get you in, into the WWWF. So that's uh, that's kind of how the music started. And I don't know if I was the first one to ever have music, but I was the first one in the uh, WWWF at that, that time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things started uh, kind of escalating kind of from there. Uh, you know, they uh, started uh, using music. All the boys were starting to use music. The women were using music. And pretty soon, uh-uh, <laughs> You can't just use rock and roll music. You got you got to pay for that. You got uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, ask permission to play somebody's music. Call came in shortly uh, after that and was was doing the uh, Rocky uh, music from the movie, and uh, they let him use it for a while, and then they cut him off too. And so Vince says, "Well, I'll just start writing my own music." So he hired a guy named Jim Johnson started writing everybody's uh, entrance music. And lo and behold, they got a damn album out. And he's making money off of entrance music. You know, I think they had two or three albums of entrance music. I'm sure Mickey and, and uh, Tommy, you had entrance music. And uh, I'm sure it was on an album. And next thing you know, they're singing. You know, I, I've left now. I've gone to G.I. Joe. So... I, I I left that all behind, and next thing I look, and they're they're singing. You know, they got a, the whole bunch of guys: the Roddy Piper, JYD, Jimmy Hart, and Lou Albano, Nikolai, Hillbilly Jim, Gene Oakland. They're all singing songs and cutting this promo and and selling records, and it just kind of kept going on and on. And then then the animated movie uh, or the. Uh, uh, series started with uh, the uh, Hulk Hogan's All Stars or whatever it was called, and it just kind of escalated and escalated. And uh, I don't know if I had any part of any of that, but I, I think that uh, you know, just bringing the music out at that particular time, uh, you know, I, I noticed that uh, what was his name, uh, Valiant, Jimmy Valiant. He was the uh, bad, bad guy. There's Leroy Brown. He, he used bad, bad Leroy Brown, and then uh, Jimmy Valiant used a, a song uh, about uh, him coming out to the ring, and it just kind of escalated. And uh, it is what it is today. And after seeing WrestleMania and that set, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible how that all developed. Sorry, yeah. you painted out uh, an amazing. Uh verbal story for us that was awesome amazing. Uh, it was yeah. amazing it, uh it, it seriously course, was great I, I i wanted to have my own uh ring music so while i was away uh with gi joe i uh, started writing my own entrance song and that's the one you just played and i ran into a guy who uh do uh rick derringer and and a, a 
he knew uh, Neil Diamond and he uh, knew a couple other people. And we got the permission to use their songs and change a couple of words. So we made an album, too. And uh, Jim Kerr with, uh, uh, in New York there, he, he was a big uh, friend and a big fan. And, and uh, we went out on a, a boat ride and we hired all these, uh, not hired, we invited all these people to, to be on the boat with us while we uh, filmed uh, us singing the Cobra Clutch on a, on a boat. And it was, it was just like, being a rock star you know who who doesn't want to be a rock star so then they had me uh they talked me into doing a uh an event where I, where uh we had a band and i uh, was supposed to sing and i said i can't sing they said no we'll play so loud they won't even be able to hear you, you just gotta <laughs> sing i said okay i'll do it i was i was so nervous vicky I can't tell you. I was trembling. I I couldn't even. I was shaking so bad, and and to be in a different environment of singing instead of you know taking a, a backdrop or a flying leap over the top turnbuckle. Here I am singing to people. It's already mm-hmm. water singing. Oh my god! I almost killed the character. <laughs> hey, another great thing you did I that uh, I've never seen stuff. anybody do. Um, with you and the Grand Wizard, where you, this was during your Cobra Clutch challenge, uh, you had them put cotton balls in your ear because you had so much yeah. heat. And I was yeah. like, that is so beautiful, yet so simple. And you were getting more and more heat every time he was putting cotton balls in your ear. And I was like, yeah. that is just so great because you didn't want to hear the fans booing you. Oh, it was brilliant. Right, right. Yeah, we, you know, Back then, we, we, as you know, uh, Mickey and, and, and Tommy, we created our characters. We yep. we didn't have, uh, we ad-libbed everything. We, we didn't have scripts. We just did it. We'd listen right. to our opponents say something, or they'd listen to us. And we'd have fun going down the road, talking to ourselves in the rearview mirror, doing a promo, you know, to ourselves and trying to figure out what would be good, what would be bad. I'd look up mm-hmm. uh, hospitals in certain towns that I was going to wrestle in, and I'd mention that hospital or a high school or a restaurant, and people, you know, really believe that you knew that about that town, you know, and that's, a, that's the way we researched it, and that's mm-hmm. how I did it anyway. And, and little things like you just mentioned, the cotton balls, and one day I went up to uh, – Bob Batman, and I said, I said, Bob, sometime during your promo, call me Gomer and say that, you know, that's not a, a good word for a United States Marine to be called Gomer, especially a drill instructor. So he mentioned it and the uh, roof went off every arena from that point on. <laughs> Gomer, Gomer. I said, if I see one more Gomer sign out here, somebody yell Gomer, I'm leaving the building. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just that's the way we did it. Nobody told me to do it. I just did it. You know, there was yeah. That's the way we we did it back then. It's hard now yes. because they create a character and they put somebody in it. It doesn't always work. You know, the person's not comfortable. The the man or the woman that they put in to play that character that they've created, and you'll see someone on TV for a month and then they're gone because it didn't work. You know. 
This is former UFC champion Chris Weidman. Do you want to feel what it's like to get in the octagon with me? Right now, we are bringing the hardest-hitting MMA talk on the planet to your podcast feeds with Won't Back Down, a SiriusXM podcast. Every Monday, I'm speaking my mind and taking you inside combat sports like no one else. Every tap, every snap, and whatever else is on my mind. Download Won't Back Down right now on SiriusXM, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Won't Back Down. Jimmy, mouth of the South heart. Jimmy, how are you this morning? And thank you so much for the time. Good morning. You know what? I'm standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Really, I'm in Scottsdale, but uh, I'm out here in Arizona, man. I love you guys. Hey, a couple of shameless plugs before I start. Don't forget A&E this Sunday, the Iron Sheik, Hogan Piper, the rivalries, and, of course, the documentary. And on Chiller Theater this year, guess who I'm going to be with? Mike Love of the Beach Boys. Can you believe that? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's that's so cool. Hey, girl, how you doing? I saw her this weekend. She looked great. She had a great line all the way around the building. And, Tommy, you know I love you, buddy. I love you, too, Jimmy. Jimmy. You know what I was? I loved hearing about this weekend talking to you, Jimmy, was when we were talking about the Whiskey A Go-Go, and you said oh, yeah. when you told me you were playing there almost every single night. We were there two weeks back in 1966. If you look up on the wall, you'll see a picture of us up there. Our warm-up group was up. David, you'll know that the Buffalo Springfield was our warm-up group back yep. then, which was Stephen Stills and, and of, and of course, uh, everybody else that was in the group, but Neil Young, of course. But uh, I wanted to come see y'all, but we were so slammed during WrestleMania week. You know, it was, it was a great time. Wasn't WrestleMania great this year? It so really good. was. Yes, yes, it was. So good. Two nights of awesomeness. Well, that was great. It's had so much fun, so it was good. But like Cody Rose says, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. You know, you know, Jimmy, let's talk about the song that we played when we introduced you here just a few minutes ago. And that was by you and the Gentry's, Handsome Jimmy. And that was, you know, about you and then later adapted by the boogie-woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. And, uh, you know, I love that song. Well, thank you. You know what? Jerry Jarrett came to me one day in Memphis. He goes, I want to cut a video on Jimmy Valiant because really he was a heel, but people loved him. You know, when he came out and did his interviews, like Mick Jagger gave me this watch. Elvis Presley gave me this ring. People loved him, you know? And so uh, I put him in the studio and we cut the thing on him and it turned out to do pretty well for him. So I've, I've always been blessed in this music business. I've, I've always loved it, but I've loved my wrestling too, you know, and it's just kind of going hand in hand. Hey, isn't it crazy? Everybody in wrestling wants to be in music. Everybody in music wants to be in wrestling. <laughs> that is crazy. Not me. I'm wrestling a thousand percent. I'm all in, been all in. Jimmy, uh, do you know how many songs you've actually written for wrestlers and their entrance musics? Well, you know what? I've made a little list here. If I may run them down, I'll kind of do it really. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Common Man, Shawn Michaels, Sexy Boy, The Road Warriors, <gasps> What a Rush, Hulk Hogan's American Made, The Rougeau Brothers, All American Boys, The Demolition, Jimmy Snuka, Repo Man, Heart Foundation, The Nasty Boys, The Glamour Girls, Coco Beware. Uh, we've had Brutus Beefcake, Crank It Up, which was on the album. Uh, for Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield, the big one, right? The Honky Tonk Man's hits. Ted DiBiase, Money, Money, Money. Randy and Liz's wedding song, which a lot of people don't know about. And, of course, then, and I've got a few more, too. I can't remember all of them. But then, of course, we jumped over and did the NWO album that was released over in Japan only. Sonny Ono got me that deal over there. You know, that thing sold almost 150,000 copies just in Japan. Never released over here, Unbelievable. though. Unbelievable. But then... It, 
I know. And then in WCW, we had the Whoopack song by Nation Hall, Eddie Guerrero's theme, Jeff Jarrett's theme. We had Disco Inferno, the Nitro Girls, all their music, Kurt Hennings, West Texas Redneck, Rap is Crap. And uh, the list kind of goes on and on. Three Count, one of my favorites, back when the Backstreet Boys are in sync were hot. We yes. wrote the song called Can't Get You Out of My Heart. <laughs> so uh, we just we just had a great run, you know. So. Oh my Holy God. crap. Jimmy, all I could say is from a wrestling fan. I mean, I love you personally, but thank you, man. Those that's what incredible. a list. But I mean, I, I never knew you wrote Dusty's, you know, common. I didn't know that or demolition. Thank you for supplying so many with just great musical memories uh, in this wrestling business. Wow. That's, that's awesome. amazing. Well, you know, well, Bruce Pritchard came to me one day and said, look, Vince wants you to do a song on Dusty. So I got with Dusty. I said to Dusty because I love Dusty. I said, tell me what you wanted. And he goes, well, Jimmy Hart, give me a cowbell. Okay, I got a cowbell. I wrote it down. He said, then I want some uh, I want some girl singers with a lot of soul. Okay, girl singers with a lot of soul. I wrote that down. He goes, then I want some horns. Give me some horns. I said, okay, horns. I said, damn, Dusty, why don't you just write it yourself? And, you know, he laughed. But we went in and did it for him. He heard it. And he loved it. And, uh, you know, I was so thrilled to do it for Dusty because he was one of my favorites. And like I said, Bruce was always kind of in charge of the music up there. Bruce Pritchard was, and Vince would call him and say, tell Jimmy to write this or that. Now, Jimmy Johnson did great songs up there. I always was a big fan of what he wrote, too, but it was kind of a different thing. He wrote one style, and, and me and my friend Jim McGuire wrote a different style. And then later yeah. on, when I wrote WCW stuff, it was from my other friend. Howard Helm was on that with me, too. So, uh you know, give them a shout out. But other than that, you know, like I said, I've just been blessed coming from a, a crazy world of, of music with the Gentries and touring with Dick Clark back in the day with mm-hmm. with the Beach Boys and Chuck Berry and just all those groups, Grassroots, and the name goes on and on, doing American Bandstand, Hullabaloo, Shindig, where the action is. And then um, and then being in what I really love was, was the world of wrestling. I've always loved it, man. Yeah. How uh, amazing is Dusty's foresight that he was the one who actually asked for more cowbells? We all thought it was the people from Saturday Night Live. Oh, no, <laughs> he, he did it first. Oh, y'all are crazy. Oh, I love you. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Jimmy, do you as a song? So do you still get taken care of for all of these songs? Like if they get played or anything as far as royalties as a writer? Or was that just part of? whatever you were doing. I'm sorry if I'm being no, too nosy there. No, but that's no, amazing. No, no, you're not nosy at all. No, that's a good question. You know, uh, we do. And and uh, the thing, too, is like, here's what's so strange. When Hulk and I left to do Thunder in Paradise, I, we did a lot of music with Thunder in Paradise. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same people that did Baywatch. Did that wrote a couple of songs for Baywatch, too. But when we went to WCW and um, went down there, I did a lot of the music. Eric Bischoff had signed us to do part of the music, too, because back then they were just doing incidental songs, you know, mm-hmm. just anything they pulled out of the library, just throw it on, you know. But they know they could never release an album or do anything with it once that happens like that. So we went in, and here's what's so strange. For them, like I named the other songs while I go, that, from the Nitro Girls to Jeff Jarrett to Eddie Guerrero, to, the list goes on into Hall and Nash's um, uh, Wolfpack song, but all that stuff that's just sitting down there. I don't think they really have a, um, they have a publishing company where it was published, but they don't have right. anybody working the publishing company. So all those songs, when, when uh, WWE bought the tapes to all that, they redubbed other uh, incidental songs on that. They never used any of those songs that we wrote when they put those tapes out. So they're just sitting, getting dust on them down there in WCW in the archives. <laughs> all those songs, people ask me about them all the time, but to go back to wow. kind of halfway answer your question about that. So they're just kind of sitting in domain down there. Oh, because of the publishing. You don't know who owns the publishing or? 
That's well, crazy. Well, uh, RET owns it, which is Ted Turner, but they don't have right. anybody working. The pub- it's like anything. If you've got a publishing company, you've got to have somebody knocking on doors. Would you like this song right. for this movie or, or does this work for this person? Here's, so they're just all kind of in limbo down there. Oh, wow. that's annoying. Kind of like that Memphis TV library. It's somebody's <laughs> got it. Somebody doesn't have it. It's the, the mysteries of the biz. I love yes. it. Yes. Somebody's got it locked away. I'm keeping it forever. It's all mine. <laughs> no one will appreciate it. You know, Jimmy, we we just did a roundtable discussion, and and the whole show today has been dedicated to the to the music and wrestling connection, and just reliving the moments and the memories. And music does that, and wrestling does that. Uh, we just had uh, Nita Strauss on, who's the current guitar player for Alice Cooper. And when I think of Alice Cooper, I think of WrestleMania three. You know, with you and the Honky Tonk Man and Alice and Jake the Snake Roberts in front of 93,000 fans. And, you know, just talk about that moment, WrestleMania 3, which really, you know, changed the landscape of pro wrestling. Well, it was unbelievable. I uh, When I see Jake Roberts, we talk about it sometimes. I just saw Alice Cooper about two months ago, and we had a great picture made together. And, uh, and we talked about it then, too. But uh, it was such a thrill that night. You know, I had three matches on that card that night. I had the, of course... Um, Piper against um, Adrian Adonis, and then I changed jackets and went back with a heart foundation against the Bulldogs with Tito, and we had Danny Davis in our corner too, the referee. Changed jackets and went out again, and um, with the uh, Allison Honky, of course. But uh, it was just such a thrill. I mean, we didn't know what it was going to draw one way. I think the Rolling Stones had been in the week before, and the Pope was in there, and all of them had great shows too. People thought that God, we'll never be able to sell this many tickets, but. I'll be darned. We were able to, and like I said, going to the ring and and that long ride out there on the cart and everything, and Honky and myself. And then once I got on the other side, there was Jake with Damian, which I'm scared of snakes anyhow. But there was Alice Cooper, and I was always a fan of Alice Cooper because I just see him in concert even before I kind of got into the business. But uh, it was just bigger than life for us. You know, I was on the first WrestleMania. I'll show you how old I am. The first WrestleMania. And I thought that was a thrill for me because I tell everybody now that was still the greatest moment of my life because that had not been successful. There wouldn't be any of this wrestling going on today because that really kind of kept everything going for us and, and for other companies. And just it was just such a thrill to be part of that. But that was sure a great moment in my life was WrestleMania three. Hey, Jimmy, you know, uh, let me ask you two questions. Number one, hardest ring music you ever put together and your personal favorite. Well, you know what? The one that's got the most airplay is the guy sent this. I, mean, I saw Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, and I told him. I showed him on my phone because a lot of people say if Jimmy Hart's lips are moving, he's lying. But I showed it to him, and he <laughs> believed it. <laughs> on Spotify, on Spotify, 10,200,000. Y'all can look it up today. 10,200,000 hits on Spotify for Sexy Boy. But uh, I always like the Rougeau Brothers song where we went, we don't like heavy metal, we don't like rock and roll. All we like to listen to is Barry Manilow. We're all American <laughs> because we made that kind of cute and funny. I just wanted to make happy people happy with the music that we all did, you know. And, uh, you know, it's like going to a cafeteria. Some people like black-eyed peas. Some people like the green beans, you know. Some people like mashed potatoes. Some like fried potatoes. It's not – all my songs aren't going to fit everybody. Somebody's going to have their favorites on whatever they like, but that's the way the world is. But um, the Rougeau Brothers. I had fun doing. We took them to Sun Records down in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, where a lot of the stars had cut before. And a lot of stuff people don't know that we did on the road. When I put Sean, you know, originally Mickey Sherry sang Sexy Boy by Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. And then when she left the, the company for a while for a little hiatus, 
Vince called me and said, look, we want to put Sean's voice on this. So I called Sean and he goes, I don't sing. I said, I promise you'll be able to. So we had the tapes flown into Dallas, Texas. We went to a studio there and we put Sean's voice on it, which he did a great job. And then we didn't have the girl singers there. So I had to dub over sexy boy. So I dubbed over eight times of me going, sexy boy, sexy boy, so many times. And then we put it on reverb and echo and just did everything we could to it. So it turned out pretty good. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Terry Funk's album from Japan? We cut that. We cut that. I went to him. You mentioned that. (laughs) Listen, uh, we, we went to his house in Amarillo, right? And we were there, and he goes, you know, Jeremy, I can't do his voice that good, but, you know, I need to cut this album. They're paying me big money, and I'll help you out on it, but you'll go to L.A. with me. So we flew to L.A., but we went to his house, and we rehearsed a lot of songs on there. That I think we had We Hate School on there, which I had cut in Memphis before that with Jerry Lawler. Right. And we cut uh, several more of the songs on there. So if you look on the album, I think I got a little credit on there whatever, but just doing it for Terry, I'd have done it for nothing, really, because I've always been a Terry Funk fan, him and Dory both, and I managed them up in New York, too, and I had him in Memphis while we were there, but uh, that whole album, I think it was called The Texan or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and I don't know who so, got my money, but a long time ago, I I actually went and purchased Wimp Busters by Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh, God. I know. So either Lawler, you, I probably Jerry Jarrett got my money that time. Well, I got to tell you something, though. The King, you know, he's the one that got me in this business, and I'm yes. always grateful to him. And and he let they let me do what I wanted to down there. I'd cut videos, and, you know, we wrote the songs, We Hate School, and Lance Russell's Snow's the big one. And so um, <laughs> it was just so much fun. And, you know, my whole life, everybody I've worked with have really kind of let Jimmy Hart be Jimmy Hart, whether it was good or whether it was bad or whether it got over or didn't get over. But I've just always loved this business, and, you know, it's all about being on time, dependable, and Somebody asked me up in uh, WWE the other day, said, really, you, you know, you've been in this business so long. How did you keep out there? And I said, look, what if the promoter wants back in Memphis? If they wanted to paint me yellow, I bought the paint. If they wanted to put me with the belt, I bought the belt. You know, I was in all the way on anything you wanted to do, you know. So uh, and that's the kind of thing I've always done, no matter whether it was working for WWE or WWF back in the day or WCW or or a little small run with, with TNA wrestling over there, total nonstop action wrestling, you know. I just, uh, it's about this business. It's about entertaining and that's what it's really all about. So, you know, Jimmy, when, when they called you in, uh, in Memphis to, to do something like, did you expect like 40 years later, you would still be involved in this business like you are? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, I was in the music business. That was that was a lucky thing for us. We were in high school and put a group together called the Gentries and entered Ted Max Original Amateur Hour. We won three times on that. And then we got disqualified for uh, it's kind of like wrestling got disqualified for cutting a record and being on the major label. But we still had to go fulfill our agreement with them at uh, Radio Music Hall in in New York City. And so even though we had the most votes, we still got disqualified. But um, <laughs> I never I never dreamed in my life that I'd still be doing things that I really love. And, and then all of a sudden it just fell into my lap about, I got the call one day from Howard Finkel and Vince got on the phone and said, you know, we'd like to bring you up here. And there I was feet. Don't fail me now. I went to New York and kind of made that ride for as long as I could to hook. And I went and did thunder at paradise. And when we did that, you know, we, neither one of us had really quit WWE at the time. We were just on leave of, uh, you know, uh, on leave kind of doing this other project. And then Eric and Rick Flair walked through one day up at Disney and, the next thing you know, it was all history. So it's been crazy career for me. You know, I've just 
two best friends in my life. I love everybody, but two have been Lawler and Hulk, of course. And then only two promoters I've ever had in my life have been uh, Jerry Jarrett and, of course, Vince McMahon. So I've been I've just been blessed. And you can tell, you know, when I do the shows and do everything too, I just I love being with the talent. This pack in this past week up at WrestleMania, I was with Ricochet and and. Um, just uh, uh, Lacey Evans and just so many of the stars. And I just don't be with these younger kids. They're all just so great and so much fun and dressed in the dressing room with, with Ray Mysterio and what a, what a class act he is. And just, uh, you know, seeing Austin theory and what a future this kid's got and talking to Seth Rollins and the Miz Miz and I did the first tour together when he first came in, uh, did the show in Orlando, you know, he was just from the reality show and we did our tours together. So, uh, I, I just, like I said, I've been blessed. Well, I'll say this, Jimmy, yeah. I, we appreciate you. Thank you for all you've done, uh, for the business. Um, and thank you for being a listener and supporter of busted open. It means a lot to us that you listen to the show and sorry, you couldn't make it out to the whiskey a go, go, but at some point we're going to have to do some rock and wrestling show together because it just seems oh like my a, gosh, a yes. great combination. Yeah. Well, you got Mickey there. She sings. Her stuff's great. Yep. And then uh, oh. y'all need to play it more on her intros, though. Play more of her music, you know. I think people would love that. But uh, I think we could do a heck of a thing. But I listen to y'all show every every day. I'll be honest with you. So I'm outside doing this radio show. So here comes the guy with a big, long uh, canister coming through. <laughs> I've got to do an a interview in a few minutes. For something. All right. But, well, uh, we'll let you go, Jimmy, because well, thank you so much. And, and it's great that you're still in demand. And we'll talk soon. I love y'all. Remember, we love keep you. on dancing. <laughs> <laughs> keep, we will. We'll keep on. God, you, you gotta love uh, Jimmy Hart. He's amazing. He is a light. Oh my gosh. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.